the text for the sermon uh, is, uh, is taken from the gospel. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, well, as disturbing as that scene is, it gets worse before it gets better. Uh, imagine this, that Jesus answered her not a word. And when it became clear that every uh, one, uh, to everyone that she was not about to go away, the king of love spoke these words. It is not meet to take the children's bread and to throw it to dogs. That's a real depressing thought. Uh, Mark's gospel is pretty much the same. This is in Mark and Luke. Uh, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, one of my chief aims, the aims of all any priest, uh, uh, is to help uh, advance our belief and confidence in the Catholic faith. And that means deepening your trust in the Bible. Uh, I want you to discover its wholeness and the connectedness, as well as the sometimes embarrassing and strange nature of these New Testament narratives. Uh, I, I want us to work at getting over the, and I think most of us have, but work at getting over this uh, picture of Jesus as sort of a tame teacher of wisdom, a traveling hippie, uh, who uh, is cheerfully taking it one day at a time and just bringing out the best of everyone that he comes into contact with. If there's any passage that reveals that romantic picture of Jesus, uh, that it does not square with historical reality, it's this one. Uh, and for that, I am grateful. For its difficulty, I have to work a lot. To understand what's going on here, and to find some application for our common life, we need to attend to the context. Set and setting. Uh, text and context is always the place to begin, and so we will begin with chapter 15 uh, of Matthew, uh, where we have an argument that's going on between Jesus and a delegation uh, from Jerusalem over what had become a major irritant to the Pharisees. Uh, the delegation stated their complaint this way, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Can you all hear me? Everybody, okay. Uh, this was not a disagreement over etiquette. Uh, it had to do with the worship of God. Every meal uh, thank, uh, is a meal of thanksgiving, an act of worship uh, from the point of view of the Pharisees. Uh, they wanted to bring temple holiness into the streets, and good for them. Uh, to forsake ritual purification uh, uh, was tantamount, from their point of view, to simply disrespecting God. But Jesus challenged uh, the ritual purification pushed by the Pharisees on two grounds. First of all, it wasn't required by Moses. And secondly, even more significant uh, for him, uh, Pharisees have loopholes uh, to avoid the laws uh, that they don't like. That's a fact. Uh, and then he says, and I quote, Furthermore, 
he sums it up, you're all hypocrites. The word that Jesus uses here for hypocrite was first applied to actors who perform behind masks. In other words, Jesus accused uh, the Pharisees of practicing the art of appearing to be what they were not. This account is found in Mark chapter 7 as well. Uh, Mark's account is older. Mark's gospel, as you as you probably know, is actually uh, Peter's gospel. Uh, and Historically, it's understood to be Peter's gospel, and that's important. You'll see why later on. Uh, but first, uh, notice, this is all about food. Uh, in an argument with the Pharisees, uh, once Jesus uh, dismisses them to their face as hypocrites, now listen to this. He unloads this bombshell. Uh, now, uh, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth defiles the man. But why is that a bombshell? It sounds rather ambiguous, but it's not. Mark interprets the saying of Jesus for us. There, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. And then verse 19, the bombshell in Mark's gospel. Thus, with that, Jesus declared all foods clean. That's a remarkable statement. Well, let's stop there for a moment. Please see the unity and the agreement, this canonical bond of harmony that exists in the New Testament. You know, there's always been way too much made of conflicts between Peter and Paul. Uh, some going so far as to assert that they represent two diametri uh, diametrically opposed versions of Christianity, Peter being more on the legalistic uh, and mosaic side and, and Paul uh, rejecting uh, all of that. Uh, but that's not true. Uh, right here, uh, Peter... Peter himself has drawn the radical conclusion that Jesus has done away with the law in Leviticus 11 through 15 regarding unclean food. Peter, like Paul, understood that from now on, no food is unclean. Now, obviously, yes, it took decades uh, for this to, uh, for the church to understand it, grasp it. And, and it took decades to work it out practically. But, it, but it's here, plain as day, in the first written gospel, which is Peter's gospel. Now, we're ready to move on from that uh, to, to talk uh, of, uh, of that discussion of purity uh, to our Lord's encounter with this Gentile woman. Now, having just declared Leviticus... 11 through 15, all in void, Jesus then travels to a Gentile territory for some rest and private teaching and time with his chosen band. Now, nothing I've said, or probably will say, lessens the harshness of what Jesus said to uh, the woman. Uh, she was a Gentile. Heal my daughter, please, she pleads. Uh, Jesus snubbed her. 
but she would not give up. She was desperate, and she believed, she believed with all her heart that Jesus Christ had the ability to heal her daughter. Uh, and, and she would not uh, take no for an answer. She kept pleading. The disciples wanted him to heal her daughter in order to get rid of her. Jesus answered his disciples and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman then fell on her knees and worshipped Jesus. That's the term that's used. Lord, help me. And Jesus addressed her for the first time. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. In Mark's account, uh, let the children eat first. Then the woman on her knees said, True Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus concludes the event by addressing the woman directly. Oh woman, he says, first time, oh woman, the very words uh, that he uses to address his mother at, at the wedding feast and at the foot of the cross. Not a word of disrespect, but in fact a title of respect. Oh woman, great is your faith. Your daughter is made whole. Now I am absolutely convinced. I'm absolutely convinced that this happened. Uh, just the way it's described in Matthew and Mark. There are some who say, that the story was made up by the church, the early church, to justify uh, Gentile missions. Uh, if the church were going to make up stories, she should do a better job than that, I'll tell you. Uh, for starters, get rid of that part about Jesus calling a Gentile woman a dog. That's not good public relations for anybody. You don't need a workshop on how to win friends and influence people to know that calling someone a dog is not going to win their hearts. It's ridiculous to think that the church uh, put that, uh, made that up for that reason. No one made this up. Listen, listen to me. We, in this text, we have entered into an authentic apostolic memory of life with Jesus. That's what we have. And that's what you have been privileged to enter into. Odd weird as the day is long and disturbing but it's a genuine article still doesn't soften what Jesus said a bit well-meaning scholars have offered all kinds of explanations for the word dog some saying that it actually means puppy that doesn't help me a bit uh, here, here's what we know about the text Jesus, Jesus does, actually does not address the woman directly, does he? Earlier in this text, he did not hesitate to address the delegation of Pharisees from Jerusalem directly and say, you are hypocrites. He didn't say, he didn't look at them and say, Pharisees are hypocrites. He said, you are hypocrites. He did not say to this woman, you are a dog. The statement to the Pharisees is unmistakably personal. The statement to the woman is abstract and generalized. And so I'm trying to understand why 
is that the case? Why is it abstract? Well, here's just a, a possibility. Uh, Jesus is in Gentile territory. Uh, let me ask you this. Can you recall any occasion when a crowd of Gentiles came to Jesus seeking to worship him? Well, I can answer that for you, no. Because if you do, it's a false memory. There's no such thing. It doesn't happen. You don't have a crowd of uh, Gentiles uh, uh, coming to Jesus except one time. One time. All of the other crowds in the wilderness pouring out in little villages of Galilee, filling the highways of Jerusalem, all those crowds are Jews. But one time at the very end in Jerusalem, after his triumphal entry, hours before his arrest and passion, St. John records this. Listen. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And they came to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip told Jesus, and Jesus answered, Now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He did not receive those Greeks. He was crucified instead. What's my point? Timing has a lot to do with this. Had Gentiles come to him earlier, in particular in Gentile territory, uh, like Tyre, uh, and had he received Gentiles as a group, certainly his identity as Israel's, Israel's Messiah would have been in doubt. And so he says, this is the bread for the children, the children of Israel first. And St. Paul says it's to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. His first duty is to keep God's covenantal promise to Israel. And St. Paul would write to the Jew first, later to the Greek. Over and over again, Jesus heals and blesses individual Gentiles who come to him, but he does not receive a group of Gentiles because of his mission at that time is very different. I am sent, uh, not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus Christ is the Messiah of Israel. And he said that when he was rejected by Israel and nailed to the cross, that he would draw the whole world to himself. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the resurrected Lord commissioned his church to go into the whole world and make disciples. Gentiles, like us, because that's who we are, most of us as far as I know, Gentiles, like us, have become by the grace of God heirs to the promise of God Almighty to Israel. The promise originally made to Abraham. God has not made us his pets. God has not turned us into his lap pups. We have been transformed not only into the children of Abraham, but the unthinkable has occurred we have been transformed into the children of God Almighty Himself and a sibling to Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to stop there today and I'm going to leave the hard work, or maybe it's the easy work, of uh, 
applying all of this to Lent to you. You can reflect on it this week and see how this, uh, what this means for your Lenten observance. O woman, great is your faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.